Hey, it's me, Rod Morgan, a longtime listener and semi-professional host of the Morgan You Know podcast, a pop culture, sometimes music, sometimes movies, sometimes TV podcast, always entertaining podcast on the Morgan You Know podcast network. Listen to us wherever you get your podcast. That's an awful lot of podcasts. That's the Morgan You Know podcast. Hello, Internet. The Morgan You Know Podcast Network presents Balls and Brew. Welcome to week 16 of the NFL schedule. Another edition of the Flagship Sports Podcast here on the Morgan You Know Podcasting Network. My name is Rod Morgan. We hope to be able to finish this podcast for you, but we are right now officially in the blizzard of Christmas up here in South Bend, Mishawaka. I'm not entirely sure what it's doing down in the Greenwood area. The producer of this podcast, James Thomas Jamriska, is with us. Jimmy Jam, what's happening down in your neck of the woods? We got cold wind. We've got about an inch and a half of snow. Everything's shut down. It's crazy out here, dude. I don't know what to do. All right. Williams, I know you're about the same boat as I am. Are you uh, Are you hunkering down, or are you unfortunately forced to go out tomorrow the same way that I am? Our football handicapper, Josh Williams, hello. No, nah, I've got I've got tomorrow off, but uh, I I am supposed to try to fly out of O'Hare tomorrow night, uh, which would be Friday night. So uh, I don't know if that's going to happen or not. Yeah, I was going to say that uh, that could be uh, tricky right now. O'Hare was literally featured on the uh, nightly news with Lester Holt the other night about how much uh, trouble was going to be happening there. And a man who probably doesn't have as much snow as us, but it could be some extreme weather. It's our uh, our the old man, Chris King in North Carolina. Chris, hello. What is up? Well, we hit 65 degrees today. It was rainy, kind of warm. Not too bad. All right, there you go. Just rubbing it in all of our faces there. We will get to all of our normal fun that we do here on the podcast. Chris knows three things he's going to tell you. Our football handicapper, Josh Williams, whose record stands at 25-18-2 right now. And we're going to talk about one of these games that he lost last week that we may we may be willing to give him like half game credit or something. I don't know. We'll discuss that in a minute. Jimmy's got a face and a heel for you. And I actually have my Tom Cruise game of the week picked out. I remember what game I picked last week. Still disappointed that we are not reaching blockbuster levels, but I'm determined to finish this thing up. Let's start with Mike White. Williams, let's start there. Do you think that we should have allowed you to change the pick when we heard that Mike White was not going to be starting for the Jets? <laughs> no, I actually don't. I, I'm, I'm in the... Uh, well, some most of the time I'm in the no excuses, man. I, I just got to play better. I just got to know. I <laughs> he was on the injury report. It sounded like he was going to play, but uh, look, I mean they they actually had that game won. They were up by three right about midfield. The defense, which is the strongest part of their team, fourth and one, just just stopped them there. Actually, they don't even need to really shut them down there. Just, if they get three yards, so what? They still have to go another you know, 45 yards against that defense. For some reason, they sold out on the fourth and one play. Uh, Detroit calls up an awesome uh, flat uh, to the the backup tight end. He rumbles and stumbles for 50 yards, touchdown. Detroit covers, so uh, Detroit wins outright. So, yeah. Uh, No, I I think I should get the full loss there. Uh, If I know Mike White's not playing, I probably don't don't pick that game. But, uh, hey, man, got to be better. No excuses. Let's go. I mean, but let's also toe to the other team there, the Lions, my red hot Detroit Lions, Mr. Williams. I mean, I really feel I'm at the moment right now of being able to cash both Lions and the Giants to the playoffs. Is that even possible? Am I wrong to even think that? Or is there a way that both of them can make the playoffs? No, that's possible. I 
and I like the Lions a lot. I only sold on them this last coming uh, this last week because they had won six out of seven. Seemed like the public was all over them, and that's kind of when uh, the sharp betters kind of hop off a little bit because you're buying them at, at their highest point. But they keep on they keep on playing well. So they had to prove it to me last week, winning on the road, and, and they did. So I think they have a chance because Washington. I think everyone kind of thought they were Washington was going to beat the Giants last week. They ended up losing. And now two out of the last three games for Washington are, are against San Francisco and Dallas. Now, Dallas is that game is the last game of the year. So it's possible that Dallas could sit guys because they're pretty much uh, stationed in at the number five seed. So we'll see. Washington and Dallas seems like they always play that last game of the year. And it seems like Dallas always beats Washington that last game of the year, no matter what the records are from what I remember, from what I recall. So we'll see on that one. That, uh, that'll be interesting. But, yeah, I think Detroit and the Giants both have a, a realistic shot at, at the playoffs. That would be incredible because my uh, Ravens all the way to the Super Bowl bet is looking worse and worse by the day. Chris, we just brought up the Dallas Cowboys. That probably made your ears perk up a little bit. I know the Cowboys are involved in one of the things you know, plus you're a definite Dallas Cowboys fan. What do you got for us? Yeah, I'm a diehard Cowboys fan, and this is why I know that – Cowboys fans, we're going to be lucky if we see one more win the rest of this year. I know we got your boy Gardner Minshew coming up this weekend. People think we should win this game. I'm not so sure. Apparently those people have never watched Gardner Minshew play quarterback, but continue. And and they also don't remember what Dallas does in December every single year. They look hot. They look like they're ready to be seated perfectly. They're going to end up losing two or all three of these games. Uh, They're going to end up giving up the five seed to the Giants, and then we're going to end up having to play San Francisco in the first round of the playoffs, and we will lose at San Francisco in the first round of the playoffs because we're the Dallas Cowboys. Because you are the Dallas. How about them Cowboys, huh? Quote Jimmy Johnson there. Uh, It was a topsy-turvy week 15. Jimmy, possibly the the most memorable play from week 15 is uh, somebody involved with your heel. Let's go ahead and touch on that game because that was uh, was some wild stuff. Yeah, in a tie game where the New England Patriots just seemingly were going to run the ball out. They actually got a little bit more yarders than they thought, did a lateral, and then all of a sudden, Jacoby Myers, the heel of the week, decides to throw the ball about 40 yards sideways right into the waiting arms of the Raiders, and then unfortunately, Mac Jones was put in a very bad spot and got uh, uh, ran over, game over. One of the biggest bonehead plays ever. It's one of those plays where you're trying to do more than you should be trying to do, and it really bites you, and the Patriots looked horrible on that play. Now, Jimmy, I've heard a take where people think that Ramadre Stevenson may have been one of the main catalysts of that play. People are kind of saying that most of the Patriots thought to themselves, okay, we're playing for overtime. But then when they saw Ramadre do what he did, they kind of thought to themselves, did I miss a call here? Are we supposed to do the Stanford play? So what's your take on on how all of that ended up going down? Because this normally shouldn't happen to a Bill Belichick team. It shouldn't happen to any team, really, but yeah, especially a Bill Belichick team. Of course, how many times can we say that this year when it should just happen to Bill Belichick teams? We can maybe talk about that later. Uh, Stevenson was just trying to make a play, and he made the play in the right way where he did a little bit more, but it was still safe enough. 
it was the play after that that really was not you didn't need to do that if if they're trying to run out the clock why not just take a knee why even run that stupid draw play that's a very good point but i guess williams i would say that the patriots about 45 to 50 percent of their offense is the draw play so i mean they probably just had nothing else i know you had to be going crazy when that one was happening on your monitors there at uh, williams hq <laughs> it was wild i cannot believe that play if you go back to this winning probabilities of teams this week. This was the most improbable week maybe ever in NFL history. The Bucks had 89.6% winning percentage. They lost. Cowboys, 96.7%. They lost. The Patriots, 94.3%. They lost. And the Colts, I think this is low. The Colts had 99.6% winning probability. They're up 33 to nothing at half. Nobody's ever blown a 33-point lead, and the Colts blow that. Second time in NFL history, there was three walk-offs, and two of them were defensive, the Jags and the Las Vegas lateral that we will never forget. I mean, unbelievable, improbable comebacks this week. Uh, It was topped off by that Raiders-Pats game. I'm going to go contrarian Colts fan here, as I often do, but I saw a lot of Colts fans going crazy on social media after that game. Why? You want the Colts to lose that game. I I wanted to go give Jeff Saturday a hearty handshake after that game. We need to lose that game. And then what does Saturday do to solidify that we need to lose? Nick Foles is now in at quarterback. Kudos. Kudos to Chris Ballard and Jeff Saturday and Jim Ursay and whoever's running the show down there in Indianapolis. Putting Foles in at quarterback is the way to go. Week 15 was an awful lot of fun. Chris, I know you have a take on why week 15 is ultimately what the NFL really needs. Yeah. The week 15 is exactly why the NFL is so successful. And I know it's exactly why I love the NFL. Williams hit on it there. We had two defensive walk-offs. We had realistically about what, six, seven games that finished on the last play. Like it was still, you didn't know who was going to win until the last play was over. The average uh, margin of victory over all games last weekend was six points. Only two games were in double digits. It was a phenomenally crazy week. I loved every second, even though my teams lost in some horrific ways. I still loved every second of it. That's why the NFL is so great. Now, Jimmy, I was shouting out the uh, Indianapolis Colts there, but I did just notice we need to get your uh, face of the week, and perhaps I should be giving credit to someone else in that phenomenal Colts loss. Yeah, kind of like Jason Hayward with the Chicago Cubs back in 2016. Patrick Peterson at halftime said, no, we are not going down without a fight. We are the Minnesota Vikings. We will come back, and we will win this game. And By God, they came back. And they won that game. So I think Patrick Peterson's got to be our face of the week because somebody had to say something, and he said it, and they did it. Listen, I'm all for a phenomenal halftime speech. I mean, made-up speeches are essentially the fiber of any and all good sports movies that have ever been produced in America. But come on. Come on. Really? Patrick Peterson, somehow his rah-rah speech is what got the Vikings that game, please. Jeff Saturday's terrible coaching and the Indianapolis terrible roster is the reason that game was lost, Jimmy. But kudos to you for shouting out Patrick Peterson, a guy who doesn't get a lot of rep. Had nothing to do at all with the lack of coaching, lack of offense, lack of defense, lack of uh, maybe having your kicker who had made five field goals. 
kick a six field goal to ice the game. None of that had anything to do with it. It was the Patrick Peterson speech, Rod. Come on. All right. One other thing that became official that we'll clean up here before we get into Williams's picks is the Pro Bowl has been announced. I know Chris was looking forward to the Pro Bowl because they have changed up the format. That was one of the things that he knew a few weeks back. But apparently now Chris is angry at the Pro Bowl, and that's the way it works with these old men. They're up and down sometimes. Chris, what do you got for us? Well, there's a couple of players I know should have been included in the in this specifically the NFC Pro Bowl roster. That is, of course, Christian McCaffrey and Amon St. Brown from the Detroit Lions. And we all know what McCaffrey's been able to do for San Francisco since getting traded. Uh, they are still running like a well-oiled machine now. He has almost 1,500 total yards from scrimmage. He has 10 touchdowns total, plus a passing touchdown. The guy does it all. He's been healthy all year. We all know how good he is. Put him in the Pro Bowl. Uh, and and St. Brown, he has over 1,000 yards already. He has uh, six touchdowns already. He is a difference maker on that Detroit Lions offense. He is the guy that moves the chains. He has more first downs than just about any other receiver in the league. And really, those are the guys need to be on this team. And I'm going to tell you the two people they need to kick off the team. And it's not because these guys aren't any good. But I think St. Brown needs to replace C.D. Lamb. And I think that uh, McCaffrey should replace uh, Pollard, both from the Cowboys. Wow, look at you taking your own guys off of the Pro Bowl. Mr. Williams, you like to push back against Mr. King sometimes. Do you agree with him that those guys should be in the Pro Bowl? Uh, yeah, I'm on Raw. Had an awesome year. I think he gets damaged by just the ridiculous year he had last year. And and we see that a lot in, in voting. Um, I mean, usually it takes like four or five years. You know, we see this more in NBA where like everyone gets tired of voting for Giannis because he's just unbelievable. But Amon Ra just had that one awesome year and they're like, all right, he's had enough. <laughs> it's, it's pretty unfortunate for him. He should be on there. And then McCaffrey, I think, just gets nicked because he got traded. And so that, that's a stupid reason. I get it. But like. Some sometimes that's how just voters are, but uh, I, I would probably agree with him. Amon Ra probably deserves to be there more than CD. Um, and McCaffrey is obviously a bigger name than Pollard, but man, I'm a huge Tony Pollard fan. I mean, he is. I think Tony Pollard deserves to be on the Pro Bowl. I honestly, I would put McCaffrey in over Miles Sanders. I, I know Miles Sanders has had an awesome year, but Tony Pollard is one of the most explosive running backs in the league. And um, well, I get it. I get it why they put Sanders on there because. Or Philly's like you know thirteen and one and got the one seed right now in the NFC. So I get it. Somebody's got to be left off. It, it sucks, but uh, yeah, both those guys probably deserve to be on. Jimmy, I'm going to come to you with the last point on this because uh, Williams mentioned the NBA there, and we always see a couple of guys who are snubs for the All Star game, and then they manage to make it in when guys want to sit out or guys get injured. We're not playing a Pro Bowl game this year, but do you still think there's a chance these two guys might end up on the roster because if you guys decide they don't want to be there? Yeah, I think that's going to probably happen. It happens every year. Remember, the Biscuit was a pro bowler one year, so anything can happen in the NFL. The Biscuit was a pro bowler. Jimmy, I love it when you bring up Biscuit stats. You're my man. <laughs> All right, we mentioned Williams' record is 25-18-2. He's coming off a 2-1 and one week. Last week, he was 3-0 and oh the week before that. He's getting hot here at the right time of the year. Seven games above Mount 500. Let's get into his first game this week. Mr. Williams, what handicapping you got for us? Yeah, this is, I think, the first time this year I am going to go with me and Jimmy's team, the Bears. 
Give me Bears plus eight and a half on MGM against the Bills. Yep. If you want to neutralize the passing game, wind is your best friend when taking the dog. And anybody that's seen the weather report this week, it is supposed to be downright nasty at Soldier Field on Saturday. And the Bills are coming off a huge come-from-behind divisional win at home against the Dolphins where the fans were fantastic, throwing snowballs in the air, possibly throwing some snowballs at Dolphins wide receivers. You never know. And take a sneak peek at their schedule next week for the Bills. A humongous game in Cincy on Monday night. Allen versus Burrow. Possible one seed on the line here. Meanwhile, sandwiched in the middle here is the lowly Chicago Bears. You've got a road game out of conference, 1 o'clock, in between two nighttime, primetime, standalone games. Call me crazy, but just like with the Cowboys last week, this feels like a letdown game for Buffalo. And the Bears here have been playing better. What can you do on this Buffalo D? Miami showed it that you can run on this D, and nobody runs it more than the Bears. The Bills are 19th in yards allowed per carry. And don't look now, the Chicago Bears are first in yards per carry. We've got some ref stats here. Home teams, when Carl, Chef- Carl Cheffers is the head ref, 58-39-1 straight up. That's not against the spread. That's straight up since 2016. Home teams under Carl Cheffers, that's 60%. And there's a 33% increase in the amount of money compared to the tickets written in this one, and they are siding with the Bears here. Remember week one when it was terrible conditions? This Bears team beat the Niners. And recently, check these box scores out in five of the last six Bears games. Bears lost to the Dolphins by three. They lost to Detroit by one. Lost to the Falcons by three. Lost to the Eagles by five. And then don't forget the Packers game where they were up by two possessions on the Packers in the fourth quarter. So Bills have been playing with fire lately. They barely got by the Lions on Thanksgiving. They barely got by the Dolphins uh, last week, down by eight in the fourth quarter. So give me the Bears here, plus eight and a half. I haven't liked the Bears, uh, you know, getting, I mean, against the spread at all this year. This is the first time all year I love the Bears in this spot. Give me the Bears plus eight and a half. Chris, am I wrong to make to say that it feels like the Bears, who I believe only actually have three victories, you know, that are real, but doesn't it feel like the Bears are like a seven, eight win team because of what we is just speaking to there? Always exciting games when the Bears are involved. No, I no, I don't see that. I see them as a three win team. I haven't seen much about them. I don't think that these games are close because of how the Bears are playing so much. It's how these teams, the Bears are playing, are playing. Uh, a lot of these teams are playing down to the Bears' standards, I would say. Um, I don't think the Bills are going to do that this week. I think they need to make sure and keep putting pressure on the rest of the AFC. Uh, I see them winning by by 10 points probably or more. Jimmy, Chris was just really talking your team down right there. My goodness. I, I kind of feel like the Bears are a strong team, even though their record doesn't speak to it. But Chris certainly doesn't see it that way. It is Festivus. I've got a lot of problems with what Chris just said, and I'm going to tell him right now. If the Bears had any defense whatsoever, I know the irony is, is, is thick, my friends. If they had any defense whatsoever, they would have three or four more wins. Their offense is amazing. Their offense is not playing. The teams are not playing down to anybody. Their offense is beating teams. It's just their defense has been so bad. Um, after the first few games of the season, Fields has been hot. 
Uh, he didn't score a rushing touchdown for the first time in a while last week, even though he did step out of bounds. It's okay. Um, but yeah, Chris, I'm sorry on this one. It does feel like there are more, uh, you know, maybe a six, seven win team, but just like Rod and his Indianapolis Colts, Bears can stay at three. That's fine right now. This season's a wash. Let's stay at three wins. You know what I love about the Bears draft position as well is they don't want a quarterback, right? So if the Bears end up getting one of those high draft positions, perhaps they can work that into an extra pick or a better player or something like that for all these teams, like my, like my team, perhaps, to try to that are desperate to get up there to the top, Jimmy. So I'm with you. Keep losing if you're the Bears, but keep looking strong. Yes, and maybe maybe they can make a quick call, quick quick ride down to Indy. Let's get them a quarterback. Why not? Chris, yeah, sound like you were going to jump in there. You got something else before we move on? I was just going to say, he was talking a lot about that prolific Bears offense when they've scored less points than the prolific Arizona Cardinals this season. Well, I mean, when you got Cliff Kingsbury as your head coach, you're going to put up points. You know what I'm saying? All right, let's move on to Mr. Williams' second game involving the Brian Dayball-led New York Giants and those Minnesota Vikings, those plucky Minnesota Vikings who just can't seem to lose. Williams, what do you got for us on this one? Man, I had the Colts plus four and a half last week. If they would have blown that after a 33-point win, I was also on Matt Ryan and the Falcons in the Super Bowl when they were up 28-3, to getting four and a half. They blow that. They lose the coin toss. They end up losing by six. So Matt Ryan evidently hates me. So uh, I'm glad that Nick Foles is benching him. Uh, so, yeah, uh, let's get on to this pick. Giants and Vikings. Uh I'm, I'm fading this lucky Vikings team again. I'm taking Giants plus four. What does Wink Martindale do? The defensive coordinator for the Giants, he loves to blitz. And when he blitz, he plays man behind. Kirk Cousins, he has not been good versus the blitz. He hasn't been good versus man coverage either. And the Giants are now top five in the league in pressure rate. Kayvon Thibodeau was awesome on Monday night versus Washington. He was a one-man wrecking crew. Uh, Cousins' passer rating goes from 98 in a clean pocket to 79 when pressured. His PFF grade against the Blitz is 36th out of 39 qualifiers. Yards per attempt when Blitz for Cousins, only 5.6. That's the second lowest in the league, only better than Carson Wentz. And on the other side, the Vikings' pass D is 27th in DVOA. Surprisingly, the Giants' pass offense is top 10 DVOA. I said it before last year when Brian Dayball got uh, – hired in as the Giants coach I think I don't think it was on the pot I think it was in the text thread I said Daniel Jones will be a top 15 fantasy quarterback and I remember Jimmy saying blasphemy that is not going to happen Daniel Jones was actually a number one uh, fantasy quarterback he finished 12th in my league so I had to throw that in there You've under been Brian a Danny Dimes supporter for a long time my friend you bring up some Danny Dimes stats often you, you love you some Danny Dimes it's something about Duke football just gets you every time I'm going to bring up some more here in a second. Under Brian Dayball, the Giants are 6-3-1 straight up as a dog. And Danny Dimes, 15-5 against the spread as a dog. He's 13-5 as a road dog. And when the spread is under eight points like it is in this game, and he's a road underdog, he's 11-1 against the spread, 92%. Uh, the head ref in this game is Adrian Hill. He's a solid ref. That's what you want when you back a road dog. 66% of his games have went to the under in his career. That's another small check mark in the corner of the dog. Less overall points scored always helps the underdog. 50% of the tickets are split here, but 57% of the money is coming in on the Giants. Give me the Giants here, plus four against the Vikings. 
Giants, baby. New York football Giants. Let's go. Giants to the playoffs. We still are all about that. Jimmy, how do you see this game? Circling back, the Cardinals have two more points than the Bears, Chris. Okay? Calm down. (laughs) Two more points. Lord. All right. Well, well I, I was too busy on that. So what, what game we know? Giants, uh, Giants, Giants, and Vikings. Vikings. No, yeah. Giants and Vikings, Giants plus four. Um, I think this is this is a, a strange game for both teams because the Vikings are coming off that high of coming back and beating the Colts, but they had to give their all for that one. So I am kind of in the um in the Williams. I agree with everything except for anything he ever says about Daniel Jones. Uh, I do like the Giants here plus four. So that means, of course, the Vikings will win contrarian chris does that mean you're on the side of the vikings here yeah i think i think the vikings probably pull this out that the giants do have an outside shot however i still think if even if the giants lose to the vikings they still win at least two more games uh or the last two games which still probably puts them ahead of dallas by the end in the playoff seating there we go. You can just hear the defeat in Chris's voice about the Cowboys. You absolutely love to hear it. Speaking of teams who are coming off of emotional games, those Las Vegas Raiders that we talked about at the beginning are taking on Mike Tomlin Steelers. Williams, are we about to see a Josh McDaniels rah-rah spot here? What do you got for us? Uh, no, we're not. I usually don't go down narrative street here, and usually we like back and Tomlin as a dog. But I'm going to back Tomlin here as a super emotional kind of rah-rah spot here. Steelers minus two and a half. I'm going to take that. Uh, It's it's supposed to be low teens, 25-mile-per-hour gusts. I'll go out on a limb here and say that favors the team that plays outside compared to the team from a warm-weather city playing in a dome. Uh, Raiders 22nd in rush defense DVOA. We just saw Ramondre Stevenson had his best game of the year versus this Raiders D, 172 yards and and a tutty. Raiders like to run the ball top five yards per carry, but the Steelers D since their buy is second in schedule adjusted rush defensive efficiency. And here we go with narrative street here. Pittsburgh is going to be wearing their 1970 jerseys for this game. We know there is no better motivational coach in the league than Mike Tomlin. He is going to have this Steelers team absolutely jacked and pumped up to pay tribute to the late to the late Franco Harris. I think this rush D is going to come out on fire. I think the rush offense is going to come out on fire. The terrible towels are going to be out prime time Saturday night. Vegas off a super emotional win, uh, come from behind, improbable win. Now they travel three time zones out in the cold outside. Derek Carr, no thank you. Give me the Steelers. 58% 58% of the tickets are on the Raiders, but 63% of the money is on the Steelers here. I think this is a super emotional spot for Pittsburgh. Give me Steelers minus two and a half here on Sunday or on Saturday night. Sad to see the late great Branko Harris passed away before this weekend that they had planned to honor him. But Jimmy, let's be real here. The immaculate reception, it hit the turf, right? I never saw it hit the turf. Are you kidding me? That was a catch. We don't know what a catch is now, Rod. How can you say that? Who cares? That's a a fair point. That is absolutely a fair point. If we can't do it now with all the cameras we have, there's no chance they were going to do it back then. So that's a great play by Franco Harris. 
RIP to him. So there you have it. We have Bears 8.5, Giants plus 4.0, Steelers minus 2.5. Jimmy, while I got you on here, there's one other thing I wanted to do. Um, was there anybody on this podcast who at the beginning of the year said, watch out for the Jacksonville Jaguars? Was there anybody on this podcast that said that, Jimmy? Uh, yes, there was, Rod. And it was us. And we were right. And they're still playing well. They absolutely are. They still have an outside shot to beat this Tennessee Titans team. And Mr. Williams, I wanted to come to you on this before we let you go here. Actually, I'm going to do my Tom Cruise game in a second, but I want to come to you on this. Do you feel responsible for the Tennessee Titans slide and now ultimately Ryan Tannehill being out for the rest of the year because you finally, after trashing them so often, picked them a few weeks ago and it has not gone well for them ever since you did that? (laughs) If I would have known I would have put the kibosh on this team, I would have done it a lot sooner. But uh, yeah, they've lost four in a row. We said that they just can't, they just, they could not keep running that hot. And they've lost four in a row since. This is why, and you're going to totally disagree with this, but this is why I did not understand why Indianapolis punted on this season so early. If you go back and look at the. Because the Col- they just blew the largest lead in the history of the no. NFL regular no. season, all right? They're not any it's, good, Williams. That's why oh, they punted, but continue. No. I will never, I will never accept that. <laughs> if they, if they wanted to lose, they wouldn't have gotten off to a 33 to nothing start. So, and you go back and look at some of the box scores, this Colts team could easily be eight and six, but uh, alas, that's, uh, that, that's been, that's been the weirdest, most disappointing team. <laughs> I think I've ever seen this year is the Colts. So, but uh, yeah, I think Jacksonville can, uh, can definitely get this with the tight. I mean, they both have games left against Houston, which is, uh, which is interesting. And it still could come down to week 18 when they play each other. So uh, that would be interesting with no Tannehill. Yeah, it should be both, both South, right? The NFC South and the AFC South, just like everybody's holding their nose and somebody's going to have to win it. Speaking of everybody holds their nose, unfortunately, when I pick a game for the Tom Cruise game of the week, it usually doesn't work out great for me. I was hoping for a big, the old guy still got it out of Tom Brady and the Bucks taking on Joe Cool, the heir apparent to Tom Brady, Joe, Joey Burrow and the Cincinnati Bengals. And uh, maybe for the first quarter, it looked like we had something. The Bucks were rolling. Things were looking good. And then Tom Brady got mummified. It turns out he actually is not rising from the dead, and the Bucks are still as lethargic and as uninspiring as we have called them every week on this podcast. So that means last week's game, last week's Tom Cruise game, excuse me, between the Bucks and the Bengals gets graded as Tom Cruise's Mummy remake. Jimmy Jam, I go to you every time I make the call. What do you think? Yeah, I... I think this game was a little bit better than the mummy remake, uh, but I see where you're going, where you think he's back. He's not really back. Some spoilers in there maybe, but man, that was a horrible, uh, I guess it was. Yeah. Okay. It was a horrible second half for the bucks. How about that? I'll give you that. That's what I mean. We got to put together two good halves, or we at least need to have the most exciting finish ever to reach blockbuster level. So Chris, your thoughts on uh, last week's game, reaching the uh, level of the mummy remake. I liked it. I actually liked the Mummy remake probably a little bit better than most. And it fits for me because you had a couple little exciting parts at the beginning. Uh, and then there was a little bit of a dull, a little bit of a letdown. And then it got exciting and there was a lot of crazy twists and turns, especially in the second half of the movie. Much like if you're a Bucks fan in the second half of that game, a lot of crazy twists and turns and some craziness that happened. 
Yeah, crazy that they lost. I'm sure Bucks fans weren't happy about that. Williams, you got any thoughts on any of the uh, Bucks Bengals game being labeled as the Tom Cruise movie, The Mummy? I'm sure you've seen that one multiple times, haven't you? Yeah, <laughs> I got I got a crazy Tom Brady stat though. I got when in his career, Tom Brady at home when leading by 17 was 89 and 0. Now that is 89 and 1, thanks to those four turnovers in the third quarter. That was one of the weirdest third quarters. Uh, by a team that I can remember. Yeah, you just don't expect to see that out of Tom Brady. But, I mean, Father Time is undefeated, you know? I mean, we saw 18 out there in uh, Denver. He just kind of fell off the table. Brett Favre had that phenomenal year in Minnesota, and then it was just done for him, you know, and, like, just quarterbacks at some point. It just seems to be over and done with. We keep saying that Brady's got an outside shot at the playoffs because somebody's got to win that NFC South. Bill Simmons is still holding out strong for the Carolina Panthers. We'll see how that goes. But, uh. That will all play itself out next week. But, Mr. Williams, I understand we maybe are going to be without you next week. But at this point now, it, uh, it it depends on O'Hare. Wait a minute. Don't let me say goodbye to Williams yet. I got to pick my Tom Cruise game this week. Jimmy didn't even have to remind me. I remembered myself. This week's Tom Cruise game, we mentioned it earlier. It's somebody that I firmly believe is the greatest backup quarterback in the NFL. I would love nothing more than for my Indianapolis Colts to just pony up and go get this guy out of Philadelphia. Gardner Minshew is in, and the Eagles will be undaunted and take out Chris's Cowboys, and we will finally achieve the blockbuster Tom Cruise grading thanks to the stash, the Uncle Rico wannabe, my guy, Gardner Minshew. And don't be surprised if he does it and then dedicates the game to the pirate, Mike Leach. Williams, your thoughts? Yeah, I love some Gardner Minshew, but I think Dallas wins this game. And I was actually going to take uh, Dallas minus one and a half uh, when Jalen Hurts was projected to play. I loved Dallas against uh, Jalen Hurts in Philly this week. That might sound surprising to Chris because he sounds so down on his Cowboys, but I thought it was a perfect spot to buy Dallas there. But I think Dallas comes out and wins this game. I think this is this could be the ultimate gamesmanship from Philly here. I don't think they want to show the Cowboys anything because wow. I think I think they're kind of scared to play them in this in the in the playoffs. The the more you see this Philly offense, I think I think they the more you you get adjusted to it. And Philly is resting a ton of starters this week. I think deep down they want to lose this game and then come back and win next week versus New Orleans. Why is the New Orleans game uh, important? Because they have the Saints pick next year. So if they beat the Saints, that'll help them with their pick. Like right now it's like a top seven pick. Um, so I think Minshew plays well, but I think Dallas gets the win here. And there's no way, Chris, I mean, step away from the ledge there's no way the giants are passing the cowboys here the cowboys beat them twice already this yeah, year just plus just late uh plus plus dallas still has a game against tennessee tennessee's really yeah just wait uh yeah yeah no no the giants the giants will get the five seed. come on or the, the cowboys will get the five seed. we'll come see on. jimmy did uh williams basically just say that they're, the eagles are throwing my guy Minshew out as a tackling dummy there is that basically what williams just said that's sort of what i heard well, I think that's what he thinks, and I think that might be what the Eagles think. But guess who doesn't think that, Rod? Gardner Minshew. You're damn right. You are damn right. Listen, I hope Minshew shows up 
And I'd, I'd still, the Colts, if you can't get up high for somebody in the draft, come on, Gardner Minshew, let's go. I mean, you trucked out Matt Ryan this year. Goodness, you trucked out Carson Wentz last year. Come on, Gardner Minshew, it's not even that, it, it takes a step up from those guys. Love Gardner. Hopefully he comes through big for me on the Tom Cruise game of the week. Mr. Williams, as I was saying, we thought we were going to be without you next week, but now travel situations are different. One way or another, we'll get your picks next week, but we're not entirely sure if we'll get audio from you next week. Is that a fair assessment? Yeah, I probably won't get audio. Uh, I won't rule it 100% out, but uh, yeah, I'll try to get the picks out and uh, hopefully we can uh, have another good week this week. And then Chris, I will be leaning on you heavily to come with referee stats in uh, Mr. Williams's absence. Can you do that for us? I, I will do my best, but I only hope to partially fill his shoes. And then Jimmy, I will need you to completely no show all of my jokes the way that Williams does. And then we will officially fill in for Williams in his absence. <laughs> I will have my script ready and I will follow my script. No ad-libbing from you. Well, all right, there we go. Williams, happy holidays to you, my friend. Merry Christmas. We appreciate everything out of you and we will catch back up with you one way or another next week. Yeah, no problem. Brandon Frazier, the mummy. I've seen it a hundred times. Come on. <laughs> Brandon Frazier, you're the best, Williams. You're the best. <laughs> All right, we say goodbye to Williams. That means one thing and one thing only. After a short musical interlude here, we will run the NBA fast break, and your driver will be none other than the producer of this very podcast, James Thomas Jamriska, on the other side. Welcome to the fastest 15 minutes in the NBA. It's the fast break on the Morgan you Know Podcasting Network. I'm Jimmy. Rod and Chris are here, and we always start with our team, the Sacramento Kings, who are 6-4 and four in their last 10, 6 in the East, and Rod, our boy Sabonis, triple-double in the 105-99 win over the Lakers, 13-21-12. How are we feeling about our Kings right now? Jimmy, I love that you prompt me with Sabonis because I heard something that absolutely floored me the other day. I believe Sabonis right now has the seventh best odds to win MVP, according to many sports books out there. That's how good that our guy Sabonis is playing for the Kings, lighting the beam more often than we aren't. Sabonis putting up triple-double numbers, running that offense. There's no chance Sabonis is going to win MVP. But how amazing is it that a Sacramento King is in the top 10 right now? That is terrific. Yes, it's basically the top three that really matter. Uh, Chris King, got those lights up. You're ready to go. How are you on our Kings right now? You feeling good? I'm feeling really good, but we cannot lose games like we did the other night to the Charlotte Hornets. Yeah. Lamelo, baby. He's back and playing hot. Yeah, yeah. He's doing well. And I do want to talk about them for a little bit because last week I we, we all came up with some trade ideas. Well, I'm going to throw some trade ideas at you. Uh, compliments of SB Nation, SACRoyalty.com. They have some possible trade scenarios for our Kings. Rod, I want to ask you first. How do you like this trade idea with those Charlotte Hornets, PJ Washington and Kelly Oubre go to the Kings for Rashawn Holmes, Davion Mitchell and two second round picks. You think that would put our Kings over the top to get ensure them a playoff speed, a playoff seed. Well, here's the thing with PJ Washington, right? Like he's not much of a defender and you're shipping Davion Mitchell out in that transaction who is one of your good defenders, but P.J. Washington can shoot from the outside, so he'll definitely help your spacing a little bit there. Here's the thing with Rashawn Holmes, though. Not necessarily a household name, but that guy just is a solid 
center. He just plays the modern center game, can screen, can roll to the rim, rebound, block shots. So, I, you know, I don't know. I, I guess I'd like that move because Kelly Oubre is one of those high ceiling guys. There's many games where you're scratching your head like, oh, my God, Kelly Oubre is putting up shots for me. And then there's other games where you're like, yeah, Kelly Oubre. All right. So ultimately, I think it might nudge the Kings up a little bit. And you're only giving up second round picks and guys who aren't superstars. But I don't know that it solidifies them as much as we'd like a trade too. Chris King, are you in the uh, at the point where Davion Mitchell is someone you would be willing to give up for a Kelly Oubre and a P.J. Washington? Because if you want to get somebody like that, you're going to have to give up him. I'm kind of with Rod right now. I don't think I would want to do that trade. I I really like what the Kings are building. I really like the nucleus of this team. I don't think you necessarily need to shake this team up. They need to keep playing together. I mean, these guys don't even have a full season together under their belt. So so I think I think you better not rock that ship yet. Okay, well, how about this one? A little bit bigger of a trade here. Uh, the Kings and the Wizards doing a little swapping with the Kings getting Kyle Kuzma, Denny Avdija, and Isaiah Todd for Harrison Barnes, Davion Mitchell, a 2029 first round top 10 protected and a 2027 first round uh, pick unprotected. That is a whole heck of a lot to give up, I think. For Kuzma, Avdija has got your defense, and he, he can score every now and then. Isaiah Todd's still young. Um, but are you willing, and let's go to Chris King on this one, are you willing to give up Harrison Barnes, that veteran leader in the locker room, to get those players? No, I don't think I'm making this trade either. I yeah. do think Kuzma would be nice on the Kings, but I'm not making that trade. Yeah, Rod, two first-round picks, and you're all you're getting is Kuzma and Avdija back. That's That's kind of tough, don't you think? I love Kuzma, right? I think Kuzma yeah. is the, yeah. he's the most prized possession out there in the trade market, and he wants to go to California. Sacramento's in California, so I think he's going to be great on that team. I am not as worried about giving up Davion or Harrison Barnes in that scenario because here's the thing with Harrison Barnes going to the Wizards. They don't really want him anyway, so he'll end up just being bought out, and then he'll end up showing up on some other contender, so don't cry a tear for Harrison Barnes. But two first-round picks, you got to be careful. Because look at what's happening in Minnesota and look at what's happening in Atlanta right now. You give up too many picks before your team's actually ready to make that next step, it can hurt you. It can. Let's do one more here. Uh, a smaller one. Kings and Suns. Rashawn Holmes for Jay Crowder. Jay Crowder going to the Kings. A little more veteran leadership. Uh, coming off the bench, maybe. I don't know. He doesn't like coming off the bench, Chris King. What do you think about Jay Crowder on our Kings? I think I think that would that would help their defense a little bit. Boy, that's 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 one I, I'd have to think on, but first wow. instinct is no, but I think it could work <laughs> out. Rod, I did it. I, I I left him speechless there for a minute. I was a little worried we we lost him in the uh, blistery fifty degree weather in North Carolina. That's right. Yeah. Here's the thing, right? Has there ever been a guy who's gotten more talk on podcasts and on websites that has less effect on a team than Jay Crowder, right? I mean, he gets yeah. a lot of credit sometimes for like the only teams that he plays on go to the playoffs. But then if you look at the teams he's been on, it's like, yeah, of course those teams made <laughs> of course the playoffs. They go to the playoffs. I'm not, I'm not entirely sure Jay Crowder had much to do with it. I mean, the guy's not playing. So if he does want to play for Sacramento, I mean, he's, he's proven himself capable in playoff minutes. And if Sacramento is going to get to the playoffs, having a guy like that, who's not going to be scared could help him out. 
but I mean, Rashawn Holmes is good at defense for them. You know what I mean? So you're essentially getting rid of defense for a defense guy who can maybe shoot a little bit, but I guess again, you're just doing that for playoff metal. And if I'm Sacramento, like his, like Chris was saying, let's just make the playoffs first. I agree with that. So there, there's a couple of trade ideas for the Kings. Uh, let's go next. I want to talk about a game I went to this week. I actually was in in person live with the Pacers and Knicks contest. Let me tell you, with kids at five o'clock game, fantastic. Get out about eight o'clock. Get home nice and easy. Don't have we to worry so about old. getting in too late. We are so old. Oh, we are so old. It's ridiculous. But uh, Pacers and Knicks. A uh, couple things I came out of that. First of all, Pacers really do put on a great show overall, but the fans were really not as into it as I thought they'd be. Um, and there was a decent amount. Now, Rod, you and I went to uh, uh, the same arena uh, a few, about a month ago uh, for SmackDown, and it seemed like there were more people there for SmackDown, but really they were both near a sellout. I do want to hit on a couple things here. TJ McConnell is the fastest person I have ever seen with a basketball, which, of course, means I haven't seen that many people with a basketball. Watch TJ McConnell. He's amazingly fast, and he can play on a playoff team. I look for him to be traded here soon. I need your TJ McConnell takes, if you have any at all. (laughs) I totally agree with you on TJ McConnell, that he's a guy that a lot of playoff teams would look to themselves and say, yeah, that guy can be on our team, and he can be our eighth, nine man off the bench because we know that he's going to make the right play, and He can bury some shots when need be, and he's an absolute pest on defense. But my question is, if you're the Pacers, why? Why are you going to trade these guys? I mean, I don't know that anybody you're going to get back is going to move you to being a solidified top six team, and I don't know if you really want to be a top six team. So I don't know why the Pacers would trade him, but certainly teams would want him. Well, and that and Chris King, that's why I want to go to you next. Uh, Seeing them in person, they had fun together. They played well together. Buddy Heald, Aaron Neesmith each had 23 points. Um, they could not hit a free throw to save their life. Miles Turner had a horrendous game. Um, but of everyone there, I, Turner, I still think maybe you want to get rid of him because I don't see any more upside coming from him. I could see a trade there uh, to get something for the future, Chris. Thoughts on that? Yeah, so I'm not – I probably never have been 100% sold on Turner – being the solution at center for the Pacers. <clears throat> but I'm not sure what would fit there. I do think we need someone that can play at least as good of defense as he does and just be a little bit more useful on the offensive end. Um, I'm with you, though. I, I think I think if we could find an upgrade to Turner, that could really solidify this Pacers team because it looks like they have a real good chemistry really developing right now. And I'd like to see it even continue further. Jimmy, let me ask this quick question here. If you wouldn't mind, when a team makes a deal at the deadline, Chris, how often do they get better with the guy that they gave up? Right? Like I get what you're saying, but I just feel like those deals aren't very possible at the deadline. Those are usually like teams are getting rid of a guy and they're moving on for the future. They don't usually upgrade. Yeah, I mean, it's few and far between when you see someone that makes the right move before the trade deadline that like really puts them over the hump or pushes them to the conference finals when they were probably an eight seed before or something. So, yeah, like it's it's rare, but we we I think we all know that Turner's not the long term solution for this team. Yeah, and I think yeah, I'm the not issue so sure is, about that. I sign him well, right now if I'm the Pacers. What else are you going to do? Sign him and then trade that contract. 
I think it's easier to trade the contract now um, so another team can audition him for a little while, see what he's actually worth, and go with it there. But that that uh, that's the Pacers side. Nick's side, I really want to hit on a couple things here. Julius Randle's back in shape. That is, He is a man. But I will tell you one thing. Julius Randle, don't shoot threes anymore. Just don't do it. Yeah, I know. <laughs> hey, I'm a 3 and D kind of guy. No, don't shoot a three-point. You don't look good shooting him. Yeah, you made one or two, but you shot like seven. Just go inside and be Julius Randle and be dominant. I don't understand why you have to shoot those threes. Well, it's because he was good at it a couple years ago. Like a couple years ago, he shot like 35%. But you're you're not wrong, though. He is a man. He can really dominate a game if he wants to. R.J. Barrett did a really good job driving in. Can't shoot, but he he's a, he's, he's good uh, driving in there. And then Jalen Brunson is a stud. He was all over the place. Uh, almost got thrown out a couple times for some uh, some questionable uh, uh, <laughs> talking to the refs after some fouls. But Jalen Brunson had 30 points. Really good job there. I, look, the Knicks are a good squad. They came back. They won. Uh, it was 109-106. So it's kind of a weird saying this low-scoring game in the NBA this year. But the Pacers completely blew that because they couldn't hit any free throws, especially Miles Turner. Uh, so that is my Pacers-Knicks review. And next, I'm hearing, yes, I am. I'm hearing the music. That means there's only one thing next, the Rod Damnation of the week. We completely let them off the hook. And magically, he has absolutely nothing to say. How could they possibly understand courtside Karen? Yes, Jimmy, thank you. It is time for Rod Damnation of the Week, where someone is taken to task by me, Rod Morgan. And I have a pretty quick one for you this week. And somebody that I'm taking to task, it's just three letters. N-F-L. All right? It's not enough that you dominate every sports network out there and that your news is the news that leads all the time. It's not enough that every podcast is talking about your moves at all times. It's not enough that you dominate Thanksgiving it's not enough that you get a Thursday night kickoff concert, all the above, that Super Bowl is essentially a national holiday. All of that apparently isn't enough for you, NFL. You have to move in on Christmas Day, the one day where the NBA gets the chance to be front and center, and it's this sort of unofficial kickoff to the NBA season. You, NFL, are not content with the billions and billions of dollars you make already. You need to move in on Christmas Day. Shame on you, Roger Goodell. Leave Christmas Day alone for the NBA. So wait a minute, you, you, you just had a rod damnation on the fast break, which is an NBA related part of our podcast saying how the NFL takes over everything, including the NBA portion of our podcast. Yeah, I get the irony okay. here, Jim. Okay, okay. I'm just here, asking I still, questions. I still want the NFL to know that I'm disappointed <laughs> that they are encroaching on Christmas day and that to me, still relates more to the NBA because of my take. The NBA and Christmas Day is synonymous, not the NFL and Christmas Day. I, I agree with you, Rod, in sentiment, but like I have absolutely the opposite take. I was a little bit bothered that most of my NFL games are going to be on Saturday this weekend instead of the traditional Sunday. Well, they usually do that just because there's no college football and they can overtake another day because the NFL, of course, likes to take over everything including the Rod Damnation of the week. Hopefully, we're not going to see the Cowboys in this next segment because it's time for the Kings Hardwood Hierarchy. Bang! 
Last week we had the Celtics were our kings. The Bucks were the queen. The Grizzlies were the prince. Very good call having the Grizzlies over those Pelicans because the Pelicans kind of hit a slide there. And then your Wizards were the jester. Can't wait to hear what this week is, Chris. We've got to have a new king, don't we? We've got to have a new king. We have a new king. I'm sorry, Boston fans, but you lose four at home or three or whatever it was. It's just they lost to the magic. I mean, the magic of Frisbee, but they lost to the magic. Yeah, no, no. Not only did they get knocked out of the king's seat, they are not in the hierarchy at all this week. Whoa. (laughs) Wow. Yeah, so we've had some teams that are playing pretty good. Um, Mostly by default, uh, the Bucks are moving up into the king seat. Uh, really, really didn't want to do that, but I think I still have to put them in the queen seat. They're still, they're still really good. Uh, they have had a couple tough losses lately, but they're still probably the best team in the league right now. In the queen seat, I'm going to put the Cleveland Cavaliers. They have won five in a row, seven out of the last ten. They are playing hot right now. They just beat the Bucks. Uh, they are the prince, or they are the queen, and the prince, out of nowhere, the Brooklyn Nets, seven oh. wins in a row, oh. nine out of the last ten. I'm sorry, guys, but when you're playing good, you get recognized. They're the prince. You're a journalist. I mean, that you are a journalist. You're unbiased. You see the record on the uh, on the the paper. Yeah, Rod is, I think, throwing up in the corner. No, that's right. Rod, you okay? biased. I'm the other way around. I can't yeah. see anything good on this Brooklyn Nets team, dude. I do not want to hear about Kevin Durant for MVP. I'm sorry, a guy doesn't get a win MVP after he calls for his coach and his GM to be fired <laughs> and demands to be traded. All right, you don't get a win MVP after that. I'm sorry, and Kyrie yeah. Irving. Fine, please. Let's give him a friggin' trophy for playing basketball. The thing he's contracted <laughs> to do. My God, stop with the Brooklyn Nets. Maybe yeah. Chris, you should have. Maybe we should have done this before the Rod Damnation. <laughs> the NFL might not have taken it over. There. Yeah. So again, this the, is, the Brooklyn I'm Nets. Not, are the prince. I don't. I don't root for them to be the Prince Rod, but they're playing that well right now. They're beating teams. They're winning. They got to be up there. I'm not real happy either that we're basically crafting a narrative that Steve Nash was the problem in Brooklyn. Yeah, Steve <laughs> yeah, yeah, he was the problem. Yeah, big problem there. Um, All right, who's your jester? Please say the so, Nets. <laughs> that would no, be incredible. No, the, the jester this week is going to be the Charlotte Hornets. And even though you said I have journalistic integrity, I don't in this pick because I'm basically picking them because they beat the Kings. Uh, and snap their eight-game <laughs> losing streak. Uh, but they're playing still pretty horrible, even though they got ball back, and he's playing well. They are still just – they're not very good. So, wait, you you gave the team that beat a playoff team the gesture just because you like the playoff team. Man, I tell you, we are we are doing good today, gentlemen. This is a fantastic <laughs> show uh, on the Morgan Hill Podcasting Network. So let's go over that again. We had the Kings, the Bucks dethroned the Celtics for the first time in a few weeks. Cavs jumping in there. Cavs are playing real well again, and they've just made all the good moves. And let, I, Donovan Mitchell is playing like he should be playing. Uh, Mobley is doing great on the defensive end there, and they haven't even gotten everything out of him that they can yet. 
Uh, we The Nets are horrible, according to Rod. They're fantastic, according to Chris. And the Hornets are, well, the Hornets, and hopefully they uh, they have a high pick in the draft. That is your King's Hardwood, Hardwood Hierarchy for this week. And that will bring us to the end of the fast break. Rod, what do you have to plug for the Morgan you know this week? Well, what I have to plug is one of the episodes that Jimmy's talent as a producer of high-quality audio content comes out. We put together our Christmas special every year. We do lots of different interviews recorded over lots of different nights. We need a bunch of interludes and things thrown in. I'm telling Jimmy to grab clips from things, and he puts it all together. And the Festivus episode is out and in this feed. It was released just yesterday prior to this recording, so I think it was released on a Thursday when you're going to be getting this on a Friday. Check it out. It's a lot of fun. If you're up here in northern Indiana like us, you're going to be snowed in anyway. So we got the Grievance episode. We got this very balls and brew that you just listened to. And uh, Jimmy and I are going to be coming back after the first of the year with a very special wrestling episode all about the Royal Rumble. So those are a couple things you can look out for here on the Morgan, you know, podcasting network. Would the Royal Rumble episode account for the feats of strength? We, we, we passed on the feats of strength, Chris. We passed on the feats of strength. There's one time I defeated Vanimal in like under 10 seconds, and we decided that was enough for the feats of strength. Yeah, I didn't record very much because Vanimal just says, ow, ow, my arm. And I don't, we didn't think that that would be very good uh, content for the I podcast. I take after Ronda Rousey that way. I just, I just bring yeah. people <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Uh, Kate saying good job, Vanimal, afterwards, you know, letting Dad win there. But uh, Chris King, anything to say before we sign off tonight? No, good show, fellas. <laughs> All right, Chris, thank you very much. That has been... Uh, what is this? This is Balls and Brew and the NBA Fast Break on the More You Know Podcasting Network. Goodbye, Internet.